0: Amen. You can be seated. So 40 years. This year we are celebrating uh, throughout the course of the year and uh, um, went to a wedding last night. You know, they do the, 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 they get everybody out there and see who's been there the longest, you know, and the longest married and whatnot. Of course, the bride and the groom are just out there. And uh, last night was one of the first times Jack and I were kind of at the tail end of that group. <laughs> yeah. Um, 40 years is a, is a fair amount of time but it's not that long. So my point is, I just want us to remember something, is that this church and, and the people that have built this through, through these 40 years, it goes back to the day of Pentecost. So I don't, you know what I'm saying? I want you to remember that there is this long history, but specifically for us as a church, uh, the people that um, we are um, standing on top of to continue to grow. And it's just a good reminder Um Tom O'Brien was the, the first minister here. He has since gone to be with the Lord when when uh, not too long ago, a few years ago. Kevin Stenson was the second minister here. And then Roger Kerr came. And for 20 of those 40 years, he and Jackie were here ministering. And so we have just a joy to invite them to come back and for him to share this morning. And so as he comes, I just want to pray for him and uh, for uh, just the blessing of what we're celebrating this year. So God, thank you once again for your faithfulness to a people that you've called to yourself uh, to grow us into your kingdom. And so I'm just thankful uh, that Roger and Jackie could come back and share today and to uh, uh, remind us of some of those memories and and the 20 years that they were here. Father, thank you that we continue to grow and stand on top of uh, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the apostles, the foundation, and so many thousands upon thousands of people that uh, know you and are called according to your purpose, the church. And so specifically, Father, thank you uh, for the ministries that have happened here over these 40 years. God, I pray that you continue to grow us and shape us into your likeness to bring the people that you desire us to to be here, uh, to be the church you would desire us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Dale. And uh, it is good to be back at country again. It's been a A long time since I had the chance to speak with you and um, done a few weddings, I think, since I left here and a a couple of funerals, but it's always good to be able to preach the Word and and see familiar faces. Uh, I think there were more familiar faces, the first service, than the second service, Um, but I'm glad to see that country is is still uh, bringing in new people and striving to make a difference uh, for the kingdom of God. Uh, I, I said this this morning, and it hasn't changed, but I, I'm a little nervous being here and preaching, but I'm more nervous about two Jackies sitting together over there. That does, that does create an issue. Um, and uh, I also stated that I don't believe that Dale or I would be the person we are today if it wasn't for the two Jackies that we have in our life. And so I am, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And um, I want to share with you that uh, Dale told me I could speak for 45 minutes or longer. And I says, well, um, I've watched him online. That hasn't changed. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I don't really recall how long I did speak first service, but um, there is no limit. When my daughter got married, I says, the sky's the limit. That was a bad thing to say, especially when she picked her husband. <laughs> uh, but, but anyhow, um, uh, God is good, and uh, I am so uh, uh, grateful for the opportunity to come and share uh, today. Here that, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they got together. One of them, an expert in law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is referring to the Old Testament law at the time. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and a second like it is this, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, again, it's just a, a joy to come to you, uh, thanking you for life, thanking you for our opportunity to live in the greatest land in the world. Um, Lord, you have, you have blessed us. I'm thankful for country and the impact that it had on, on my life and the years that we've had here. And uh, I'm thankful for the leaders before and the leaders that will follow and the leaders today. Because it's through your church that I believe the world can be saved. And so thank you, Father, for this opportunity. And I pray that uh, whatever is said or done, we've done to your honor to your glory. Amen. There are many types of preachers. Uh, your preacher is an expository preacher. Uh, Dale spends time in taking the Scripture and tearing the Scripture apart and covering a passage my style has always been more of a topical nature bodybuilding type of thing and uh, so today i'm i'm going to stick with mine instead of trying to be expository and i'm going to take you through like through like a golden corral we're going to go and we're going to we're going to look at all different areas of of some of our history uh, some of our present and hopefully some of our our future um when when i look at this i i think Yeah, you're looking at me, and you're saying, what's changed? Well, I'm not going to put you to the test like I did the first service, but just to make it easy, yes, I have gained weight. Okay? And as I looked at some of you, guys only, you have as well. So we're all in the same boat, all right, when it comes to that. And you can relax. If you want to say to me, Roger, it looks like you gained weight, I'm going to say, thank you, but it seems like you have two. all right? So I don't care who you are, just don't do those types of things to me. And, and actually, down in Texas, um, uh, I put together a little trio, and we were trying to find a name for ourselves. And uh, a lady came up to me, and she says, well, you could be uh, Gorgitos. You could be the three Gorgitos. And uh, I says, okay, that sounds all well, but what does gorgitos mean? And she said, the word gorgitos in Spanish, anybody here in Spanish? No Spanish? What's gorgitos mean? Chubby. That's what it means. It means chubby. But if you take the literal transmission of that, it means a fat, greasy pig. That's, that's Spanish for what the word gorgitos means. So you know Ron Hutchinson, most of you. Ron was singing in that group, and then another guy by the name of Rick Van Gorp, who lives in Pella, Iowa, was also in that group. We sang once at the condominium where I, where I preached during the wintertime, and once at First Christian Church in Aransas Pass, um, where I preached periodically as well. So there's a lot of things that, that happened with that title, but that's where I'm at, all right? But I have lost weight since I've been home, so let's take it to that. So I want to take us on a little flight, 3,000 feet above, five miles almost. And I want to be able to look over things from a high perspective, not getting down to the landing. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I just want you to just be able to see what it's like from way above and maybe what has happened from the very conception of country uh, to today and your challenge for the future. Forty years ago, I don't remember the exact date, but I I did a revival meeting um, at the Deerfield Church of Christ, which is right up the road, which is now Hillside Discipleship Church. Um, I was doing a meeting with a, a fellow by the name of Roy Chenoth, who was a pastor out of the Traverse City, Michigan area, and he was doing the preaching, and I was leading the music. And so many of the charter members... Um, that are still with us today, Um, I met involved with that meeting and also through uh, Wolverine Christian Service Camp. Birth was not easy for country. It wasn't an easy conception. It wasn't an easy birth. But God took what we use as a lemon and turned it into lemonade. And God took a band of people who loved God, that wanted to do something for the kingdom, and they started meeting. Some of them met at Vita and Wilbur's house for a while. They met at Deerfield Township Hall. And then before 1982 or in 1982, right in there, they began to build the building down there, which is your gymnasium. And uh, from that, many, many things began to happen that created, I think, a marvelous church. As, as Dale had said, Tom O'Brien um, was your first minister here. I was a good friend with him for a long time, and as he said, he passed away not that long ago. Kevin Stenson came in, and then after Ken, Kevin decided to leave, there's about a three-month interval there. Uh, I was ministering in uh, Atlantic Beach, Florida at the time, and so a fellow by the name of David Hawthorne filled in as interim. And it was a great foundation structure that was established for country at that time. They're the ones that came up with the the mission statement of equipping Christians to make Christians, and I believe that was founded during Kevin's stand. When I arrived in 1991, most of the decisions through my 20-year span here were based upon that mission statement. I did my very best to structure Everything that I would propose to say, how are we helping equipping Christians to make Christians? Whether that be in mission programs, whether that be in scholarship programs, how are we creating leaders to equip more and more uh, Christians in in that period of time? So many of the, the, the great leaders and the staff members, and most importantly, many of you who contributed through physical and financial support, creating a church that continued to preach the Bible and hold true to the mission statement. Every time that you drive in here, you see the Bible. And I know the Bible in your driveway there is is running into a thing called age, and uh, it needs to be repaired or whatever the case needs to be. But I'm still amazed by the people that told me when they were coming in here that they saw the Bible and they knew that it had to be a Bible church. And so when you, when you have something that's there, that, that particular sign out there, uh, the funds were raised through memorial contributions to people who had passed. Um, and any honorariums that I got through that period of time until April the 21st of 2007, those honorariums were also donated to the fund to purchase that. In him was life, and that life was the light of man now you might remember some of you what did i always ask where are you located in him some of you remember great great in him in him there's no condemnation i love that if you're in christ how do we get into christ we get into christ by repenting and confessing and being baptized and doing your work for him those are things that unite us into christ jesus But during that period of time that I was here, great projects I think were accomplished, new members, buildings and property was added, ministry opportunities, lay pastor programs, shepherding program, home groups, video technology, uh, worship teams and more, students attending Bible college and and servant leaders being uh, set aside for making Christians. But what I felt to be the most important part of that was the fact that we would take men And we would take women and we would take students and we would do our very best to create within them something very, very special. But you see, growth creates difficulties. And when a church is growing and doing kingdom work, Satan seems to wake up. You know, he isn't paying much attention if you're not doing anything for the kingdom. He will go after you at your weakest points. He will find a way to sneak into your life or into your ministry, or into your family, or into your neighborhood. And he will work, and he will work, and he will work. And many times we succumb to his pressure. You see, Satan doesn't worry about those things that doesn't make a difference. But it's interesting that in Ephesians, it says how to ward that off. Finally, it says, put on the full armor of God. I was walking around a little while ago. I did see Ephesians, the full armor of God sign, either here or down there. And, and, and when we can be able to put on the full armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the, the, have your sword, the shield of faith, when we can stand strong to that, we can go through all of those difficulties without ever failing. But when we lighten up just a little bit, God can tackle and He can enter into your life and He will grab your life like He has grabbed mine. It happens. It happens. So you see, we've got to be able to stand strong in that. 40 years, and even as Dale said, we got to go back to Pentecost, all right? But for country, 40 years is is mentioned 146 times, or the word number 40 is mentioned 146 times uh, in the Bible, depending on your translation. The symbolism of 40 in the Bible generally symbolizes a period of testing, it's a period of testing and trial, and finally, there's a, there's a period of triumph. And through hardships lasting 40 days or years, we endure to become more spiritually aware of our need for God. For example, the rain during the flood lasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The rains came. Elijah walked 40 days to reach the mountain of God. Jesus fasted for 40 days to prepare for his ministerial life, for his public ministry. Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days after Easter. Moses fasted for how long? 40 days to prepare himself to receive the law. Moses was on top of Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights receiving the law. Moses led the Israelite journey to the promised land of Canaan in the desert. Not 40 days, but for 40 years After fleeing the Egyptians, a number of years ago, Jackie and I were over in the country there. We made that trip from Egypt to the Promised Land in less than eight hours. And I would imagine that if, for some reason, Moses and the Israelites would have taken the the class in Egypt, maybe 101, on how to read your GPS, there was a quicker way of getting there than 40 years. But God took them in another pace. Because remember, God was leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he took them around various ways. He took them for a year before when they left, they left Egypt, got to the Red Sea. It was almost a year. That would have put my alarm up. And then when they're down and receiving the laws, another year there. All sorts of years were involved in that whole issue of getting them from one place to the next place and that is a guess how I I figure how God works to take them and to use their 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 I would say God-given minds but the people had a problem I think it's the King James version it says they began to murmur yeah the word murmur is literally a word that says they were just complaining there wasn't anything that that Moses would do that they didn't complain about this they didn't complain about that they thought the Egyptians, when they started to chase them, you know, here they come. They'd go to Moses. they say to Moses, why in the world did you take us? Were the graves all full in Egypt? Why, not, why do we have to die out here? Why couldn't we just die in Egypt? And finally Moses said, come with me, and the Lord will deliver. And he took him to the Red Sea, and he put out his staff. And when he put out his staff, the waters parted. They walked across. I'm sure they were, they were tiptoeing Trying not to step on a squibbly old fish or a shark or a whale or whatever is in that way, but they made it across. And when they made it across, the Egyptians said, "Well, I'm going to do the same thing." And they came. Once they all got in there, God just went bang, and down come the water, and they all drowned. You know that story. I mean, I, I think as, as uh, I think, um, Dwayne mentioned uh, this morning. Um, why in the world, when they see something like this, why don't they know that their God is a good God? That their God is more powerful than anything that they can imagine. But yet, when Moses went up, and he's spending this period of time up on Mount Sinai, they thought he had deserted them. And all they was doing was receiving the law. And so they took some stuff, they melded some gold down, they made a small uh, golden calf, and that became their God. They began to worship the God. Until Moses came down and got perturbed. Moses wasn't a, a guy that, that really kept us cool. You know anybody like that? Peter was one. Uh, Peter was a guy, he chopped an ear off a guy when Jesus was being arrested, and he said some things he, he didn't really think about. Um, so there's a lot of those cases in the Bible there, but, but Moses came down, he threw the tablets down, he destroyed that, and of course there's a period of repentance that has to happen in that. But the Jewish nation became a beacon of hope in a time of Moses that has continued to make contributions, I believe, to humanity even today. But the most important observation is the last 40 years wouldn't have been possible without the first 80 years of Moses' life. And the first 80 years would have meant nothing if it wasn't for the last 40 years. And after the departure from Egypt, They were in there probably somewhere around 430 years. Not 100% sure, but a long time. They were in captivity in the land of Egypt. And during that captivity, they worked hard with all of these things. And Moses comes and he leads them out. But even before the Red Sea, you know the story. They had conflict. They had delay. They were hungry, so God gave them manna and gave them quail. But yet they were still complaining on their behalf. And all they wanted to do was get to the promised land, but the promised land would not come quickly and after all that God had provided so far they thought Moses had abandoned them I don't know if you've ever had a bellyache but the word for the people was all they did was bellyache about everything out of the 600,000 men an estimated 1.3 million people total that left Egypt only two entered Canaan Joshua, and Caleb. A whole new generation through that 40-year period had happened. A whole new idea, a whole new concept. I'm sure there were changes that were made from, from, from moms and dads and grandparents to this new generation, and that's a part of life, that's a part of this church. This church has changed a lot in the last 10 years. And it changed a lot in the 20 years prior to that. And it changed a lot in the 10 years prior to that. There's change that happens all the time. And that's good if we're doing it for the kingdom of God. It's also kind of interesting when we we look at everything that has happened, that Moses' life was divided into three sections. Forty years, he was in the palace. Remember that. He... He's born of a Hebrew girl and, and she felt that if the Egyptians found out that she had a baby, especially a baby boy, that uh, he would be killed. And so she took the little baby, put him in a little, a little boat, uh, set him in along the, the, the side of the river, the Nile River, until uh, one of the uh, uh, gals from the palace came in and found him. And, and then he was raised in the palace for 40 years. But then Moses did something that's unconscionable to us. He killed an Egyptian. Forty years old, he killed a guy. And in order for him to be caught, he runs. you got the FBI after him. You've got the state police. you got everybody chasing after Moses. Of course, it's on foot in those days. And uh, he has to flee out into the wilderness, and he stays there for 40 years before he runs into an experience, would send him back to Pharaoh along with his brother Aaron in order that they might create a way that Pharaoh would let the people of Israel go. And he gave them the ten plagues. and finally Pharaoh says, Moses, Aaron, take your people and get out of here. But he also changed his mind and we know that Pharaoh came after him, as I mentioned a few minutes ago. Let me repeat that 40 years thing from a different view. 40 means something as it brings to mind such qualities as repentance and newness and preparation for an important work or a task, self-examination, transformation, task fulfillment, escape from addiction or slavery such as sin, Nourishment and growth like spiritual growth. And finally, personal fulfillment such as redemption and salvation. And ultimately, a new generation and a new life. In him was life. And that life became the life of man. Satan can get to us like he got to the Israelites. He will hang on to you like a sliver in your index finger. He can cause discouragement, and that's a big one when it comes to life. When it comes to leadership, when it comes to being a mom and a dad, it's discouragement. When it comes to being a young person, when you can't be encouraged by your parents, all of those things can add up, and that's the, it's that Satan using them to discourage you in whatever life you take, whatever ministry you take, whatever responsibilities you may have, the devil will try and discourage you, and I know he can do that. But the Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We can go on with that, and it says, Blessed are those that persecute, that, that are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all sorts of evil against you because of me, but rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. I ran across the thing uh, a number of years ago. Um, when, when, when you feel down, have you ever really just felt down? And you know you're up a creek without a paddle. And you you feel kind of lost. You don't know what to do with yourself. It says this. Just because you did something wrong in the past doesn't mean you can't advocate against it now. It doesn't make you a hypocrite because you grew. And you can't allow people to use your past to invalidate your current mindset. So if you've ever run into a situation where you don't think you're worthy enough to be used by God for His kingdom, I want to say to you, you're wrong. You can feel bad about it and you can do everything, but sometimes some won't get over it and some will. So what you need to be able to do is just say, God use me. God has used me in the last 10 years. Whether it be my mowing ministry, I still mow lawns for some of the, well, older people. (laughs) This is a neat little story. I'm just going to throw this in. This is free because I didn't do it first service. But um, Some of you know uh, Mana Jasper. Mana's a dear lady and her husband, Clarence, uh, just great people. They came here. um, I, I believe, I believe that their son, Mark, Uh, He was a young man, maybe in his 30s, uh, died at Myrtle Beach, early in my ministry here. Um, It was shortly after, and I'm forgetting the name, but D, you called me one day that uncle somebody died. Who was the uncle that died, Steve? Your uncle, early. He lived down on 24 here. Uncle Marty. Uncle Marty. Dee had called me to tell me about that, that he had died, and, and, and if I could do something. I wasn't here very long, and I've never made this public, but when Dee called me, I didn't know who Dee Lovis was. And she says, well, you can get together with Pam, and Pam will help you. I didn't know who Pam was at that particular time. That was very early in my ministry. So that happened in 1991, uh, maybe the first part of 1992. But right after that, uh, Mark Jasper passed away, and um, um, from that, just became close, but but Clarence was getting old, and he was on his mower, and I said to him one day, I says, Clarence, you know, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but, you know, you're 67 years old, you don't need to be mowing every day, and he, oh, no, I can still, he says, Clarence, just back off. I'll take care of your lawn for you. So for X amount of years, I've been mowing Mana and Clarence's lawn. Now, Clarence passed away maybe seven, eight years ago, but I'm 74 now. There's something weird about this analogy, that he was too old. I, I mow for Jim Thompson. He turned 90. Um, uh, today. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I can mow until I'm 90. But there's a lot of things that you can do. You can be used of God in any particular way. Country, you're beginning the next 40 years. Use this next period to build the kingdom. Don't follow the example of the Israelites. Use your gifts to reach people and make heaven more crowded. You see, Jesus never, ever said, very important, Jesus never, ever said, listen to your heart. He never said, be true to yourself. He never said, trust your gut. He never said, happiness is what really matters. He never said, just be a good person. Now, he said, all of those qualities are okay, but they're not going to do much for you when it comes to eternal life. It takes a lot to realize that God wants you to be his child. It was mentioned this morning, You know, the great, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then it was quoted this morning, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world might be saved. And that's our goal. And everybody can use their gifts in a tremendous, unique way. But He did say this, all authority in heaven has been given unto me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. That is the call for the church today. I, in many ways, am so glad that I retired ten and a half years ago. I don't face the, I'd never face the political turmoil that you're facing today. Although abortion was an issue, um, I felt that there was probably little that we could do but pray. Today there's a lot that you can do. Tomorrow could be a very, very big day on that particular issue, which is probably going to cause, create more and more turmoil in our country over an issue by the way that i support um over an issue that god wants us to stand up for and to fight i never i never ministered during a pandemic when the congregation wasn't really even allowed to come into the church building and they had to start going by way of video and i don't know if you stream or you're streaming today hi everybody Um, um You know, but it is is a big thing, and it's a whole new ministry tool now. I've been to a lot of churches in the last ten and a half years, and and especially in these last four years, and I've met with a lot of preachers, and a lot of preachers are wondering, how are we going to recover from that? And my counsel to them was all the same. Don't try and recover. Embrace it and work through it. There are ways. I don't know what the ways are, but there are ways. God's going to deliver us from those things. But to take that and to build on that whole issue. Finally, there's two things. Quickly, you're looking at your watch and saying, that's not 45 minutes yet. Don't get used to it. I don't get used to it. Sorry, Dale. I just threw it in free. Huh? Yeah. Somebody said, do you know what a preacher's and finally means? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. In a few minutes, we're going to play a video on a poem Written by Robert Frost. And it's going to give you a choice as to what you want to do with your life. When you come to that why in the road, and there's one road going this way, and there's one road going that way. But before that, I do definitely want to close by simply coming down by you and talking to you that I believe from my heart without using the rail. I used to be able to jump up and down these things. It doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, a few years ago. You remember well, too. Can anybody here tell me some things that maybe God doesn't know? Don't be shy. Anybody? You think God knows everything? really see I disagree with that that's why I'm never going to be asked to speak here again (laughs) Dale's not scared because he heard this this morning I ran across the song and song's always been important to me And it starts out like this mom always told me that God knows everything he hung the stars and knows them all by name and now that I am older and I've grown to love him so, I found that there are some things that even God does not know. God doesn't know a sinner that he can't love. God doesn't know a broken heart that he can't mend. God doesn't know a volunteer tear that he can't dry. God doesn't know a place where he can't be in a moment's time to meet your every need. So when you run into those days or nights and you've been praying for a miracle from God, when you've been praying for something, whatever it might be. I ran into Debbie Root uh, yesterday at Meyer. We had gone to the Goodwill so I could buy long pants because I haven't preached in long pants in years. Down Texas, we're in shorts, all right. Um, And she said, I talked to her for just a few minutes, and she said to me, could you you pray for my dad? He fell. And uh, Jackie and I prayed for her dad last night. And I asked her this morning, how is your dad doing? And her word was, better. Did our prayer make a difference? I don't know. But God said that we should pray, pray without ceasing, and use that. Right here, where I was standing just a few minutes ago, if you were to rip up the carpet, underneath that would be a a writing. Back in 2000 and early 2001, after this building was pretty much built, Still a lot of trim had to go on. The carpeting wasn't put into it yet. Maybe all the lighting wasn't in. Maybe all the speakers weren't put in. I think some of that was done. We were running, I think, three services at the time down in your gym. And I had people after service come down, and we handed out black magic markers. says, we want to go where you're sitting. Just go find a place where you think you're going to be sitting in the new auditorium. And just write your favorite scripture out. And so underneath you, where you're sitting, I don't know what's underneath you, but I do know what was there. And I wrote these words. My dear children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, you have one who speaks to the Father in your defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And that applies to me and it applies to you. So when you come to that why in the road, and you're being challenged as to what you can do for the kingdom, you can take that little easy road, that paved road, or you can take the road less traveled. Jackie and I travel a lot, and both of us do not like the expressway. We just don't like the expressway, because we like to get off the road and See places we've never seen before because we're not in a big hurry. She is. That's why I drive most of the time because we wouldn't make it. She's a speed demon. We we have a ferry that takes us out to our... I'm losing my thought here. I'm done in a minute. Uh, We have a ferry that takes us out to the island where we live in Texas. And uh, you drive on, you drive off. It's part of the the interstate uh, for the state of Texas. And one day, she was out with uh, three other ladies. They were going to play golf. And it says, when you, when you drive up onto the ferries, uh, it says, slow. I wasn't with her. She told the story. So she drives up on this ferry, and the guy goes like that. And he pulls her head a little bit, and he goes over and knocks on her window. And True story. You want to tell the story you want me to? Stand up and tell the rest of the story. Just stand up. Come on, honey. Stand up and tell the rest of the story. No, 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 no. Come on, baby, how did this story go? So he knocked on my window. Stand up, they can hear this. He knocked on my window and said, can I have your autograph? And I said, well, who do you think I am? He said, aren't you that famous lady race car driver? And I said, okay. So I <laughs> The True story, so, so but, but when we when, when, go back to the other thing, oh, one more thing, I'm done. We were on our motorcycle since I retired, and we pulled into this store to, to, to get something, I don't remember, we had four other bikes with us, and a guy came up to my wife and said, what do you asking, hon? you hear that? Thought she was Hillary Clinton. And and, uh, Jackie told me, and I went to look for the man. I was going to be Moses for a few minutes, but just thank him for that. When you come to that why in the road, and you have to choose, do it with prayer. Make heaven more crowded. People are yearning. People are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ today. We're we're, we're in a mixed-up society today, and they need hope, and there's still hope in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ.